welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy. Thank you all for tuning in today. This is our my last interview of 2016. Next week, we're going to do kind of an end-of-the-year wrap-up, uh, talking about the some of the high points throughout the year for the podcast and for physical therapy and for me, so be sure to uh, stay tuned for that. And I'll also have some great recommendations from things that I've started using this year that I think you should use because it'll make your life a lot easier. So be sure to tune in next week for the end of the week wrap up. This week, so happy to have him back on the podcast, physical therapist, entrepreneur, educator, Paul Potter. So Paul is a physical therapist and mentor who lives in Nebraska with his wife, who is also a therapist. They have four daughters For more than 35 years, he successfully managed his own private practice. He now guides therapists on how to start up their own practice at his website, paulpotterpt.com, and podcast. Paul created the Cash Therapy Success Academy because he believes in the power and the impact of therapy entrepreneurs creating small businesses. Therapy provided in large organizations is essential, and make no mistake, we need it. But the real magic begins with entrepreneurs born with a unique gift to build successful businesses. Paul knows what it's like to begin a startup for less than $100 when he lacked the necessary finances and self-confidence. He experienced what it's like to start all over when devastated by a life-threatening diagnosis. After managing his own private practice for over 35 years, Paul knows how valuable it is to have the support and guidance from family, friends, and experienced mentors. And we talk a lot about that in today's podcast. So the Cash Therapy Success Academy exists to help entrepreneurs, like a lot of the people listening to this podcast, create a fulfilling and profitable practice for yourself and those you care about. They provide quality resources and training through courses, books, and coaching, all found on the paulpotterpt.com blog and Cash Therapy Success Academy. And again, all these links, they're all in the show notes over at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. So what do we talk about today? Today, we talk about Paul's newest online offering, the Cash PT Practice from Scratch course. It is a beautiful course. It is laid out so well. It's so easy to use. Um, I got a little preview of it and you can tell this is, this was a lot of work. Paul put a lot of work into this. So in this episode, we kind of go through each module of his course almost step by step. It was really cool. So we talk about how to build an entrepreneur mindset and achieve professional freedom, how to align your strengths with your ideal client base why crafting a memorable patient experience will boost your practice and ultimately the profession, and the six essential steps therapists should take to launch a successful practice. And that's all about what cash practice from scratch is all about. And it was a great talk, and Paul's really great because he's just got, he's got the right mindset for this. You know, he's, he's teaching you not only how to be a successful entrepreneur, a successful therapist, but a good person as well. So I love Paul, and I'm so happy that he came on and and is the last interview of 2016. Um, So definitely stay tuned for the Cash Practice from Scratch. It's launching January 3rd, 2017, just a couple weeks from now. If you want to purchase it, there is a link um, in the show notes. Again, that's podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. You can purchase it straight from there. It's my affiliate link. Enjoy. Um, 
And yeah, so let's get to it. Let's get to Paul Potter's uh, episode today talking all about being a great entrepreneur, being great therapist and a great person. Um, so everyone enjoy, and I know you're going to get a lot out of this one. Hey, Paul, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you back. Oh, Karen, it's a delight. It's really fun to catch up and uh, share a new vision for the new year, and maybe a cash practice might be in somebody's future. So it's great to be here and talk about the things we care about. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about cash practice. Now, you've been in private practice for 35 years, in the cash practice realm for almost 18 years. So this is visionary at the time. Not many people were doing a cash practice. Not many people are doing it now. So why did you start? Uh, it helped me fulfill kind of my dream because I was, uh, when I started back in the prehistoric stage, um, wellness was just an upcoming phenomenon and really hadn't be, even been a word yet. So that was more of the uh, fitness a marathoning craze and aerobic phase of Kenneth Cooper. But I, that's why I went into physical therapy school because I was really wanting to do prevention and wellness and fitness. And by, by nature, that is, was a cash component. So even while I was finishing up physical therapy school, we started a fitness testing program as part of the medical center gym. And that was a cash program. So I, when I graduated, I worked part-time, and I always had that dream to be able to open up a physical therapy clinic and have a fitness component a part of it. And like, we, like you said, that was 18 years ago, so, or maybe longer, right? Yeah, well, 18 years ago is when I really formally kind of kicked it off as a full-time membership cash practice membership as a part of my PT practice. And that was more when the concept had had a fuller definition. We always had people come into the clinic that wanted to exercise, but we, we pretty much developed a medical fitness program as a part of our uh, physical therapy brand at that particular point and identified ourselves. But early on, I included nutritional service, weight loss, and aerobic conditioning, fitness, kind of like personal training back in the old days. So Yeah, talk about trailblazing. And now that's become, <laughs> it's true though, and now that's become, I guess, the new buzzword within physical therapy and within the PT world is, is sort of stepping into the wellness aspect of it because we're, we're certainly educated enough to do that. Um, but I think it's fascinating that you were already doing that decades ago. So kudos to you. And, and, and that's a little bit my vision or calling is to help physical therapists that want to do what I did back then and just help to, for them to fulfill maybe what they want to do. And I find talking to a lot of physical therapy students, that's why they go into physical therapy is to be almost kind of like a highly trained medical fitness professional and then once they find out saying oh this is part of a big healthcare system and they get out into corporate or a large institution they find out it's very difficult to have the time and the the space to be able to educate patients like they really wanted to do and they start to yearn for a little bit more flexibility in their practice 
and even over in their personal life to say, gee, how would I do this? And I, I think with the changes with reimbursement and student debt, we start to look for, and even just our culture, people are used to more paying for those services as they non-insurance covered services, whether it be massage therapy, personal training. That's just a little bit more of our culture now. The physical therapists are just starting to warm up to say, oh, I can do that as a separate part of my full-time uh, physical therapy career, or if I get into private practice, I might be able to integrate it in it. And that's where that, I think that overall term cash practice has, I think, kind of uh, captured what that concept is for therapists. Yeah. And I did kind of what you said, I was sort of working full time and then was started seeing people on the side as my sort of side hustle or my side gig, um, seeing patients on a cash pay basis. Uh, I did that just because it was easier, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just so much easier. I mean, you don't have to hire someone to take care of all the insurance aspects for you and things like that. Um, now is, would you say that's the number one reason for the growth and interest in therapists opting out of insurance systems to go to a cash-based practice? Hope oh, there's a variety of reasons. It's hard to just uh, kind of pigeonhole people into that. Um, I would say from my perspective and kind of the scale that I go at, probably the word that captures that the most is kind of that freedom. And I, I see it in professional freedom, a personal freedom, and a financial freedom. In the professional freedom, therapists want to somewhat just practice their craft they get good at it and have an expertise in a particular area, whether that be manual therapy or, or fitness, and they just want to get better at that and work with more and more patients that fit that expertise and fill up their schedule with kind of those ideal patients. And they find if they get working in a larger corporate environment or just a larger environment, it doesn't necessarily have to be corporate, whether it's just a volume-based they just are treating a, a, a more just kind of who comes in the door, whoever gets put on their schedule. And there's, I'd say about eight to 10 years out, there's a yearning to really just do what they love. In terms of personal freedom, I think, again, with the higher volume, as leaders start to get involved in their careers, they get kind of pushed into leadership positions or management decision or positions and still have a full caseload. That's a and lot of yeah, they find out I'm giving up my lunches, I'm giving up my own personal fitness, I'm giving up my f critical family time. And it does say, you know, is there an, is another option? I just look down this career path, and I don't really like where it's going. Do, do I have any other options? And then thirdly, financial freedom. I think when somebody says, gee, I'm really good at what I do, I've built a, a, a following that really love what I do, they're coming to this clinic because of me and what I offer I have my own practice within a practice. Um, how can I get paid for that? <laughs> you know, how, how do I? What's the incentive for me to work harder and be rewarded for that? And then I think also for somebody that's got a twenty-year student loan and has those student premiums coming up every month, they say, "Gee, how can I pay this down?" You know, at this salary, at this pay raises, this is going to take me twenty, thirty years to pay this thing off. Could I possibly do something on the side that can help me pay these premiums down and kind of keep the security of my full-time job, which I like, 
but I'd like to be able to have just a little bit more financial freedom and not be kind of enslaved to these uh, student payments. Yeah, and and I think you said something important in there, and it's about the incentives, right? Oh, yeah. So you have to, I think as the therapist or healthcare professional, you have to really align yourself with the incentives that drive you forward. Right. Yes, very, very much. And then I would, in one of the in the first module, in terms of a foundational component, motivation or knowing your why. Why do you? Why are you a physical therapist? Why do you love being a physical therapist? Um, if you were going to go into something else, what what is your compelling big why? I think that's so important. So, one of the some of the key questions I try to answer in that first module is, who am I? And where have I come from and where am I going? And then the thirdly, why do I want to get why do I why do I want to go there? And regardless if you go into business for yourself or you stay in work for in private practice for somebody else or even work in a clinic within a hospital, that's fine. That's the business aspect. But every therapist should own their own practice, whether in business for themselves or not. And those three questions. Who are you as a professional? Where have you been and where are you going? What professional, personal assets do you have? Your your work history, your personality, your gifting. And then you have to answer the questions. Where do I want to go? Where do I want to end up with this? And then what's the plan to get me to that destination? Yeah, and I think that makes sense. I mean, you really have to be clear on who you are as a person and as a therapist. You know, you have to know your personality you have to know what promises are you making not only to your patients but to yourself and if you have a family, to your family. And then think about what, what is your impact? What do you want your impact to be? Right? Yeah, yeah. oh, exactly. And I think of you, you're just an excellent uh, example of that, Karen. You're very vivacious, very caring. You individually go to people's homes and at their workplace. You know, that is Karen to me. And there is no other Karen Litzy out there. Yeah, and you're a physical therapist. And I think each each therapist is uniquely gifted, uh, obviously highly educated, their own personality, their gifts, and people will be attracted to that. You'll match up with certain ideal clients, and that's the best foundation for a thriving practice, regardless if it's cash practice or insurance-based, in an institution, out of an institution. That is just a fundamental key for success in a thriving therapy practice. Yeah, and and part of your your uh, cash practice from scratch course, do you sort of have the therapist kind of do these exercises sort of write out, you know, what, what are your, what are your personality traits? What are your promises? What, you know, what do you want your impact to be? What getting clear on who you are, where you've been and where you want to go, like you said before. So do you recommend people write all that out and really get clear on that? Yeah, I think, that's that first step that is such a key because if what, what what we tend to fall into, we start to look out there and start to see uh, master clinicians and personalities and gurus, and we just kind of fall into the trap of trying to emulate. I want to kind of, whether we are conscious of that or not, we start to say, I want to be like Karen or I want to be like 
um, all the other mentors that we see and we start to model our practice just because we might share manual therapy together. But to create an ideal practice that you love to go to that will sustain you through your whole career, it requires some self-awareness and really a a self-knowledge. Now, it isn't about you. Uh, the kind of the next step is, well, who am I going to serve? Who who out there matches up really well with what I do? And how do I serve them? And how do I make their lives better? And as, as I identify those ideal clients that I'm meant to serve and f- figure out what services and knowledge and things that I do that can make their lives better and promote myself and identify myself to them in terms of benefit and services, I, I, that, again, that's another key foundation to a practice is really identifying those people that you're kind of meant to serve. Because we, we tend to get very broad and generalized, and we end up not wanting to turn patients away. And therapists are very gifted and talented, and, and they like to do lots of things. But to build a, a core foundation – you almost have to say, what am I an expert at and who do I really love working with and want to serve? Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I had an interview with Christine Gallagher. She's a a success coach and a business coach. And she says, you know, you have to know where your sort of zone of greatness is, you know, where 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 do you feel like you really excel? And not only that, not only do you excel, and I look at it also as where do you where do you feel like you're the happiest when you're working? Right, because if if you hate working with children, well, then maybe your ideal client isn't going to be a bunch of kids. You know, I'm just using that as an example. I don't want people to be like, "Oh my God, you hate working with kids." I see lots of kids. I love working with kids, and so I see a lot of kids. But I think when you're deciding who that ideal client is, or patient, or whatever you want to call them, I always tell people you're writing a long narrative about this person and getting very detailed about what they do, who they are, where they hang out, what they want to read, all this other stuff. You're doing it because you you want to think about the kind of person you want to spend the majority of your week with because you want to feel energized and happy when you go to work. It avoids burnout. It makes you excited to go to work, right? Absolutely. And, I, and I, that's why I like that concept of who do I want to serve? It says, if you can kind of think, what are the patients that I love, that I give, and I give, and I give, and I serve, and I get so much more back? That's one where our fullest, are fulfilled, isn't necessarily, oh, I want to do this to these people. I want to be the best at this, and these are just my mean, these patients are my means to do what I want to do. (laughs) If you can flip that on your head and you say, who do I really love giving to, giving to, giving to? And I, my day is over with and I say, boy, that was so good (laughs) because I, I gave, but I received so much more back in terms of patient outcomes, in terms of the emotional aspect, in terms of that personal connection. I think that is enough that can sustain somebody for their whole career and as you start to build it. Yeah, and, and I agree. And I think then we kind of slip into the other big buzzword that I'm hearing all over the place in PT, and that's the patient experience. We've all been doing the patient experience our whole career, right? Um, and I think when you know who you are and what you love to do and you're surrounded by the people who 
who really turn you on and get you excited to go to work, then I feel like that patient experience is there. It's, it's, it's been embedded from the first phone call to when the person is discharged because you're so fully invested into this, into this person and into yourself. Yeah. And I, 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 and I'm kind of walking through, we're walking through in my mind, the different modules, but that third module in terms of, uh, is there a market for this? You know, I, I might love to do it, but there's that reality. If I'm going into business for myself and setting it up, is there a, a market that will be willing to pay for this? And when I when I go that route, then what I'm doing is saying, well, what else is out there? What's the competition? What is the experience that people have out in the marketplace? So when I'm thinking of patient experience, I have to kind of up my game because there are other competitors, whether it be chiropractors, massage, personal trainers, the experience that consumers have in their clinics and their businesses can be outstanding. And if I, if I say, oh, patient experience from standard, normal, boring, physical therapy, clinical experience – you're not gonna. You're not gonna survive as a a cash practice. You're not gonna really survive in a thriving practice that's insurance based. That's the market. That's what people expect now. You're not gonna get by with a boring kind of website that's standard. Just standard. It just people will won't last five seconds on. They'll click out. The personal experience that they people have in terms of billing, in terms of you just being very friendly and your reception is given. I mean, the standards for that is really high if you want to be competitive. And I think that's a good thing. Oh, ab- so, absolutely. I think oh, it's absolutely. a great thing. Yeah. So, if, it, and that's, if it makes everyone step up their game to give people a better experience, then that's great. Because when you think about the world of physical therapy, you are one small cog in this huge engine that is the profession of physical therapy. So if you are giving the best you can and upping someone else's game around you, isn't it nice that we can bring all of ourselves up and elevate the profession so that when someone hurts their back, they don't think I'm going to go to a chiropractor first. I think I'm going to go to my physical therapist. And I, I, and that's what the, the changes in the economics of healthcare and reimbursement as we've put it out into the marketplace and we're competing more in the marketplace as people are paying more with their own personal dollars versus insurance dollars, that just comes with it. People want value for their money and they have plenty of choices. So if you're going to compete in today's marketplace, whether as a physical therapy profession or as an individual, that's the name of the game now. And the, the therapists that will become a little bit more consumer-focused and step out of the older models, save the best from the previous models and the heritage that we have as a profession and bring that into the new 21st century, I think those are the ones that will, be survive, that will survive and that will be the best jobs. And the patient and therapist experience will be the best. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I think that kind of coincides with, I know you said before that entrepreneurs will save physical therapy. Yes, and, and very I much so. And I think that's that's kind of exactly what we just spoke about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, and I, when you think about that, I don't think it's that we're not, I, I think it's obvious that we're clinically qualified and we're, as a, as a general rule, we're highly educated, highly compassionate and empathetic 
do a great job and deliver value over and over and over. And we, as a group, change lives. <laughs> and what a valuable thing. What an impact thing. But the market has changed. And being able to preserve the essence of that experience and profession and bring it into the changing economic times, the key people that are able to maybe lead that change and kind of gradually pull the whole profession into these new times, I think are entrepreneurs that take innovation, take our quality values as a profession and figure out a way to develop a business that survives and competes regardless if it's insurance or government paid, that's still a business that delivers healthcare in a very innovative and cost-effective way. Yeah, and, and at a very high level, you know, like you said, we, we are a profession who's so highly educated and empathetic, and all of that comes across in very high-level care, um, regardless of whether you're in a cash practice, in an insurance practice, in a hospital, in a large private practice, or you, it's just you, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's also, Karen, I think the cash practice within a practice with with decreasing reimbursements and either you're going to be in network and out a network, if you're going to play that game, somebody else is defining the rules that you have to play by, and you're only going to be, be able to be reimbursed so much per patient per episode. Well, the cash practice within the practice can give you a margin and where you can have a cash flow that's not dependent on the rules and reimbursement of those outside parties. You can't control that. But in a cash practice, whether that be yoga or Pilates or personal training or massage therapy, dry needling, whatever those are that there's a market demand for, a certain percentage of your practice, whether it be 30%, 20%, is huge in terms of viability and and being innovative and giving you just a little bit more space so that you can add quality to the, to the rest of your operation. Right, and I think it's important that you brought that up that because you are you have a practice and you're contracted with insurance companies doesn't mean that you can't add cash services to your practice or it also there are practices who maybe they take Medicare but don't take anything else. So you can have that combination um, like for instance if you going back to what we said before if you really love working with the geriatric population guess what you need to take Medicare you can't have it cash you can't right. you just can't do it because I you know like I highly doubt every single geriatric patient calling your practice if you're a cash practice every single one of them is not calling and saying I understand the rules of Medicare and I understand that you can't and I want to pay you out of pocket and I don't that's not gonna happen you know so if you really love that geriatric population take insurance take Medicare and go cash with everything else and that would get us back to our original if that's your ideal client if that's whom you love to serve and give and give by all means, of course, sign that up. And what, but I, what I encourage is still adopt those foundational questions that we talked about before. And I think it's sometimes if you get used to having physicians and the insurance company as your target market, as your 
focus of your practice. You say, well, that doctor's my ideal referral, and these are my referrals. It creates a mindset that sometimes you really target them and you get de- dependent on them, especially you get dependent on the volume and the cash flow that comes from that. To step out of that, to start to say, oh, now I'm going to change my focus away from physician referrals, away from insurance reimbursement towards the consumer, Sometimes that's a hard mind sh- shift to make. So if somebody's just starting out, I it, like we go through the course, I just say, let's start with cash because that will force you to think of your the consumer, which is ultimately the person that you're treating. You're not treating the CEO of United Healthcare. You're not treating the 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 program director and the high ups in Medicare. You're you're actually treating a real person. That's the receiver of your services. What do they want and need, and how do they verbalize to you? How do you how do you focus your care on that person? And and if you're going to be doing that, the test of that really is: Will they pay you cash for that? Would they pay you cash for that if they didn't have insurance? Well, if you can, if they'll do that, you know that's an ideal client for you, and you've got a winner of a service and an expertise that will that will make it. If you start the other way and say, oh, I do my expertise, I'm an expert at this, I'm really good at this, people love me, and we send it off insurance, and I get paid that insurance, you might not know for sure, is there a market for your services that stands up to the competition? Yeah, so it's really a mindset shift, I think, not only for the therapist, but also for the client as well, because physical therapy has always, I mean, most people, at least everybody that I've met, um, know physical therapy as a service covered by insurance. And so I think oftentimes it's showing your value and what you can do for that person. And they'll say, oh, you know something, I, I get it, I'll pay for this because I understand it's above and beyond maybe what I would get somewhere else. But it's a mindset shift on all fronts. Yeah. And I, I think and you can you experience it probably more than I, Karen, but I think there's a consumer movement happening where they're taking control of their healthcare dollar and they're purchasing and they say, I don't want some insurance company tell me where I can go and where I can't go. I don't want some expert doctor telling me where I should go. I want to choose where I go. I want the best and I want to have some selection in that and I'm going to ask my friends where they go. Who, who do you go see? And, they, and with that kind of consumer awareness, and I'm just going to get on Google to check that out, they're going to select who they want to go to and go into the doctor and say, this is who I want to go to. Will you send them? I need you to send me to them after my surgery or I'm having this incident. I'd like you to send me here. And I think that's a growing change and movement where people are saying, I'm, I, I, I want more autonomy and I want to have more say and ownership of my own body and the health care that I receive. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Oh, I think that's a good thing. I think, I it's, think it's, I, thing. I think that's a shift. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a very good thing. Um, okay. So as we've been talking here, we're, we've actually kind of been going through sort of the six essential steps that you feel therapists should take to launch their successful practice. So We've talked about who am I, where have I been, where am I going, why do I want to get there, who am I going to serve, who will support me, how will people find me. So let, let's take a really easy question here. How do I run a business? 
Yeah. <laughs> that should that, you can you can slim that down into like a five yeah, minute conversation, it, right? <laughs> and that has been one of the most challenging aspects of putting it together is to how do you strip it down to go almost a minimalist approach. So you just have the essentials of what you need to set it up. And so one of those systems that you have to set up is like we just talked about, if people are gonna Google physical therapy in their area or back pain or a back specialist. So you definitely have to have a, a website or you have to have a web presence. And what I encourage therapists, whether they go in business for themselves or not, you need to have your an online bio. So a, lo, a, a landing page or an about.me page where people can go and find your professional qualifications of what you do and how you make their lives better. And what we do is we try to structure that so it's geared toward the consumer, not other physical therapists and not your teachers in uh, physical therapy school. It's it's for regular people that are searching for your services. And you say, well, I don't want to do that. I'm still going to work full time. I says. Don't make it about a business. Make it about you and make it about the consumers and just educate. Let them know what you do. Do some blog posts that help the cause and help people so you'll become known as an expert online. So, And then the second one is how do I set up those businesses? So that's where it starts to shift. You say, oh, I'm going into business for myself. So you start to look at what do I need? What are the essentials to set that up? So what business accounts do I have to set up? How do, I, how do I get a tax ID number? How do I set up a business checking account? You know, all those things. So you and I had to figure out on our own. We just say, what? You got to do this because when you go into the bank to getting the checking account, they're going to ask you for your tax ID number. So you can't get that before you do that. So we try to walk through that. And then in terms of the practice, we say, okay. Got to find you, so you got to get that website up there and a way for them to contact you. You got to have your scheduling, so you got to have a good scheduling. You have to figure out how much you're going to charge, but you have to wait to collect uh, payments. And as soon as you start to collect payments, you need an accounting system because uh, the government's going to ask you for taxes on that income. So you want to have set up an accounting system. And then once you start seeing people under your license, you got to have a documentation system where you keep records. Regardless if it's cash or whatever, that's a professional medical service that you're providing, and you got to keep track of that. So we just say, what are just some of those key business systems that you have to set up? Yeah, and I, I remember someone, oh, a patient asked me last week, he's like, do you report this? I'm like, yes, I report the income I make, <laughs> And he's like, well, I don't know. Some people don't report it. I'm like, of course, <laughs> who doesn't report it? Well, I think it's called the mafia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I'm Italian, but I mean, come on. Um, yeah, I was yeah, like, of yeah. course I report it. And I also pay taxes on it, too. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and again, it's a business. And I don't, if you think long term, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? You know, do I really enjoy the? Is it sustainable? So if you get those business uh, systems set up in the beginning and they're legal and you keep it simple, that's sustainable for the long haul. If you don't keep those records and you come to tax time and your account says, do you have this? Do you have this? And it's coming out of your personal checking account and you've kind of mixed those, he said, oh, you don't do that. And, 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 it, and it, that's not sustainable. 
the more that goes on, the more messy it gets and you'll have to kind of backtrack. So if you're going to go into a business, not a hobby, but if you're going to go into this a business, you want to lay that good foundation. And, and, and hobbies are fine. It's just you don't want to combine that into uh, your professional career and a business. Yeah, and, and I think also it depends upon the legal entity you set up for yourself, how you are going to pay yourself, how you're going to pay your taxes, and that's where a lawyer and an accountant come in. Very much Un so. Unless you are a PTA lawyer and an accountant, yeah, which yeah. you very well may be. I don't know, but I always tell PTs, Yes, it's putting out money up front, but boy, you know you're doing it right. Yeah, you know, and, it, and and if and I know from experience because I the first time I set up a practice, this was many 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 years ago. It was the wrong corporate entity for me, and it ended up costing me money. I had to have it dissolved, and then I had to reincorporate. I, yeah, reincorporate. Yeah. That's fine. I had to reincorporate to a corporate entity that made more sense for me. And if you're a PT, you you may not know this stuff, so it's always good to consult with a with a lawyer and an accountant. Like I yeah. have both, and every year I check in with my accountant, and he looks over what I've done all year. I, he takes my deductions. I pay quarterly taxes throughout the year so you're not hit at the end of the year. And he sets all of that up for me. All I have to do is, you know, get all of the info together. And that's what businesses do. That's normal operating businesses. And it's okay to go the other route if you're just doing a hobby or doing it on the side. But if you're saying, oh, I'm, I'm merging my professional career and I'm going into business, my practice is becoming a business, that's what businesses do. They set it up right at the foundation. They build a good, solid foundation. And then from that foundation, you can grow slowly. Even if it's two, three, three years where you gradually move that way, you still got a good, solid legal foundation that you can build upon. If you try to do it halfway, you're always kind of circling back to try to undo what you did, whether that be your website or whether it be the business setup or be a accounting program that you have no clue what's going on. You just want to, again, and what I tried to do is just say, these are the essentials. There's so much more you can do. Business can become complicated, but start from scratch. These are the essentials to set up. Keep it simple, keep it essential, and you can just build from there gradually. Yeah, and, and I suggest at least this is I've hired someone to help me with like everything. Even when it came down to QuickBooks, I'm not a QuickBooks expert. So I hired a bookkeeper and instead of hiring the bookkeeper to be my full-time bookkeeper, she gave me four lessons on how to use it and did my first quarter for me. And so now I was like, I didn't know any of this stuff existed in QuickBooks. I didn't know how to do any of this stuff, you know, which is horrible. But I finally got my act together, and I was like, I think I need help with this. And so I met this woman at a um, a networking event, and there you go. And she was and a huge, and she was a huge help because. And what was also nice is I told her what I was looking for, and she was like, "Okay, you do not need a full time bookkeeper. You just need some lessons, and I'm happy to do that." Wow, wow! You know? Isn't that great? So, isn't that great? And so she was really wonderful, and you know, I have a system. And it, it works for me. And I know, I, at any rate, it was a big help. So 
-hmm. Don't think that, oh, I, I can't afford a bookkeeper, but you can afford to take a couple of lessons from a bookkeeper. So yeah. the options are out there. You just have to know how, how, where to find them. That's a great point, Karen. I think there's more of that available now than ever before. And the internet has made that so much more convenient and accessible. And I liked what you said. There are more and more people saying, I got a side gig. I'm really good at accounting. How do I develop my own program where I just teach somebody how to do QuickBooks? There's so much more of that available in each one of those areas. So Yeah, absolutely. And I want to go yeah. back to something that you had said uh, before talking about the essential systems to run a business. And one was I love that you said to have a web presence, even if it's a landing page or or a very simple website with your bio on it. And I really want to harp, harp on this bio thing. <laughs> Please harp all you want. <laughs> I really want to harp on this bio thing. Okay. This is another thing that I see. A lot of people do their bios as if they're reading their resume. I don't want to see your resume. I don't need to see that. And the consumer doesn't need to see it, you know? And FYI, the consumer has no idea what those letters after your name is. I think it's great to have them on there, but in your bio, you may want to expand upon that and explain it a little bit because they have no idea. Like I did this course, it was like, it's a publicity course, and part of it was making a speaker one sheet. And in the speaker one sheet, I had, oh, I have my own PT business. Everyone thought that meant part-time. <laughs> so just for those PTs out there, well, it's it part-time, isn't it? <laughs> no, but write it. You have to write this stuff out. You have to remember, like you said, you're writing for the potential client, not for another PT, you know? And, and again, if you go to my website, did I write my bio? Hell no, I didn't write my bio. I, had, I have a friend who does PR and writing. She wrote my bio, and I update it where necessary. Because right. you want your bio should flow like a story, not like a resume. Great point. Great right? point. And, it, and it, I like um, story brand, Dolan Millard's. If you uh, so Dolan Millard, just check him out. He's got some great, great help that way in terms of answering those consumer questions in a story form. And what you want to come across is who are you? So you want to ask that question as I'm coming. Who are you? What do you do? How do you make my life better? And what do you want me what what do I need to do next? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. and I love the what you just said in terms of um it I, I like it just the about me page. When you when we think of that versus the bio, we just say we bring that into that and say, now tell me about you. And do you go through your professional qualifications on that? So for somewhere casually, somebody's you say, well, tell me about you. And that's kind of what you want to do on your About Me page. And just think of that, of where we're at, of consumers looking, and they want to know somebody they can trust, that's personable. Relatable. That's, ni that's nice. And, and, and as contrasted to a big, institutional, impersonal, mm -hmm. rushed, I got to wait in the waiting room, and I – but all of a sudden, I get somebody that is like the person next door, and they have to be a really a qualified professional. Who am I going to go to? Who, if I have a choice, well, I'm going to choose the one that is relatable and that I trust, yeah. and and they have what I need. Yeah, and that's that's what your bio is for. 
You know, that's yep. what your about me is about. That's that's what your about practice is about on your website. I'm just going through tabs, you know. And I remember I looked at a bio once of a PT and he had his resume essentially and then had links to other people's bios. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is happening here? So I emailed him, I'm like, listen, you this is about you. Please get the links off of everyone else that you have here, because that's not right. Like if you wanna Put it on a resources page or recommendations or people I like, things I like, whatever you want to call it, but not on your bio page. No, no, no. Oh, I, and you can, I, we can identify with that. It's just like, oh, the insecurities. Yeah. If, I, if I really am who I am, will people like me? Yeah. And, Are they going to like me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My whole life. Uh, or am I an imposter? Am I really that good? Am I, well, do I have enough credibility? Do I ever get to that point in my life where I feel like I, I'm credible with what I do? And, and that, it, and we kind of know, you know, yeah. I don't think everybody better, but at some point you just have to own that and move through that and kind of just say, that's what consumers are looking for. That's who I am. That's where I've come from and where I'm going. And I'm going to trust the process and trust that I'll adapt and make changes. If you're not qualified, then get qualified. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, that imposter syndrome that you alluded to is, is, <laughs> is real. You know, that's something that was one of the biggest and continues to be one of the biggest things that I struggle with. You know, I was, I went to the explain pain three with Laura Mosley and Mark Jensen and David Butler. And, and we went out to dinner together. David Butler, did you want to come to dinner? I was like, yeah, I'd love to come to dinner. And so I was sitting there and I was listening and then I would just kind of drift off and think, what am I doing here? Like, am I supposed to be here? Like, is this, am I at the right table? You know, like when you're at the wrong table at, like when you're in high school, I'm sitting with the wrong people. And and the next day, Lorimer asked, oh, how did you enjoy dinner? I said, oh, you know, I really liked it. I, I, it was great. And, and he was like, I was watching you. He's like, and sometimes you're really in, and then you would just kind of drift off and be like. And then snap back in. And I said, it's interesting you should say that because I was thinking to myself, how am I sitting here with these people? And Laura Mermosley was like, I have the same thoughts. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> you do not. <laughs> but yeah. So that imposter syndrome, I think it's it, it invades a lot of people. And it's a constant struggle. But I think you just have to, like David Butler says, build a bridge and get over it, right? <laughs> but and, it's, and it's something that you struggle with. Yeah, and I think that's part of this medical culture, physical therapy culture where we're competitive and comparative and, oh, just guards, I, I don't know, guards our turf. And that's one of the beauties, I think, of some of the online marketing and the software startup industry. They are just much more freer of sharing that. They're sharing their information and not being so defensive and not being so strata oriented. It's just a little bit freer. And I hope as a profession, we start to move into that where we, and I sense that's happening more and more. Therapists are becoming more and more generous with their information and their programs, especially online. Some. Yeah. Some, that's a good point for some. the, for the benefit of the consumer, really. Mm-hmm of the ones that we serve or else we're going to be marginalized. Yeah. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be kind of in our little turf thing, doing our little turf battles. Right. 
and nobody else cares. <laughs> I know. It's so true. Nobody have, cares. Nobody cares. We have to break out of these silos that I think self-imposed silos that I think oftentimes we put ourselves in and to spread yourself out. It's so much better. You know, life is so much greater when you have more people helping to lift you up versus siloing yourself into this position of, well, I know how to do all this stuff and only I can be the one that helps, right? Isn't that what we're trying to get away with with consumers? So why would we treat our colleagues that way? And I, I think that gets somewhat back know. to our foundation where we know who we are yeah, and wh where we've come from. And we, we just somewhat get settled in that and uh, own it, take responsibility for it and then keep moving forward. And we don't have some of those ins insecurities that kind of show itself and um, I, and I, you, when we step at it, most therapists are highly qualified and very gifted to treat the consumers. And we can kind of leave that other behind if we keep our fa focus on the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. And like yeah. uh, Gloria Steinem said, imagine if we're all linked, not ranked. <laughs> Just makes life so much better, right? What a world. What a world yeah. that would be. Um, okay. Yeah, it's a good one, right? Okay. So we've pretty much gone through, I think a lot of the modules of this cash practice from scratch. So now I think where can people find it? How can people get, get into this course and, and learn how to do all of the stuff that we were talking about today to at least give you a leg up to become successful? Well, I think you're going to include some links in your notes, yeah, and I would the encourage therapists yeah. there because I I tried to think. Okay, it's not really a starter kit, but there's a couple. If somebody's just getting started, it really is that launch phase of launch of you, the startup of you, and what some of those questions that we talked about. So I tried to include a resource. I put in the full first chapter of my book, uh, Cash Practice from Scratch book to yet be released, but it really goes through some answering some of those questions. So I think that's a great place to start. And then I think I also put in there like the tools and resources. So if somebody's got a little more momentum going, saying, yeah, I've already kind of looked at my professional brand. I'm just looking for some of those business tools and resources. That's a great place to start. And then this whole course is um, on my website for courses. It's cashpracticefromscratch.com. And if you go there, then I have some other freebies there that people could kind of click on, like a cash practice biz quiz where they can go through what we talked about, mm -hmm. what are some of those essential actions, uh, building your brand and the, that tools and resources. And then really, I, I think kind of doing that and then what I, I really do emphasize having a launch team established of people that will support you of key people friends and family other people that depend on referral sources as a part of your launch team and developing that months out ahead of when you can launch a practice and whether you go into business or not we just want to get that launch team together of supporters way ahead of time and even if you never launch a practice those are so key in terms of building your referral networks. That's that, what we would call that word of mouth advertising. But you're organizing it and you're communicating with them through emails or blog posts. And you're building your platform, which is made up of those people. Then if you would decide to go into a side gig or go full time, 
those are the key people that are going to allow you to hit the runway and shorten your runway to launch your practice. So I would kind of do those things, that internal work where you're working on who am I, where where am I come from, where am I going, and who are the key people to support me. But then I would do that external work where your start is set up, having conversations with previous patients. What did you like about what I did? If, it, if I was to go into practice for myself, would you come and why would you do that? And start getting that research. That is so, so important in today's healthcare economy because you can't just go out there and launch and expect doctors to refer to you, insurance companies say, oh, you're the greatest thing. We're going to pay every bill that you send us <laughs> back. So the, the margins aren't there. So you, you, it's the key resources is people, people that really love you and believe in you that will support you and start to build that gradually more and more. And then they'll support you regardless of whatever business structure you're in. Yeah. And I, that is all great advice for for anyone, really, even if you're just starting or you're midway through or you have a successful practice, it's always great to check yourself. Check in with yourself. Check in with your with your army or your team of, of people around you and just make sure everybody's on point and everybody's still uh, focused and share the same values and goals because things change over time, you know? So I think it's great for the, for the new professional just starting out and for someone who's been around for 35 years, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Every patient... Um, you can ask those questions if you ask strategic questions. Listen really well for that are intentional towards uh, developing services and a practice that meets those needs. You, every time you have an exit interview, you can start doing market research about what really works and what's unique about me and will these people pay me for my expertise. And, it, and really, Karen, if I think back, it, that's what you did when you worked in those – as a personal trainer and you worked mm -hmm. in those fitness clubs, you were building your network of people that when you went on your own, they said, where's Karen? And they started referring to you and you would go out. Those are the people that you would start to build your brand and your businesses. They believed in you and they knew what you did. And they said, well, I don't do that, but you're injured. I'm going to be a personal trainer that refers to Karen to take yeah. care of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think this was a great talk. And before we go, I just have one more question for you. Knowing what you know now, after being out for a couple of years out of PT school, what would you tell your new grad self those couple of, de I don't want to age you, but a couple decades ago, um, what would you, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself when you first graduated from PT school? What I would tell myself is almost what we ended up there with, Karen. I And some entrepreneurs out there, maybe not you, but myself, I kind of did a solo practice. I felt like um, I assumed responsibility for that. I took it very serious, but almost to the point where I did it too much on my own. And I, I really sense there is that internal work where – I was more visionary and strategic that way, but where I was light on was building a community that I could share that experience with, uh, and I was fortunate and blessed that other people saw that in me and were able to come around me and resource me and support me without really me inviting them and including them in it. 
So I think that's so key. If you think you're going to kind of do it solo and do it on your own. <laughs> oh, you're not. And, and, and we know we know how much hard work it is. And it, it really is a sense that that takes a special person to be self-motivated and to, with that grit that we talk about. But I think there's also that a private practice is born out of community. And I think the more that you can share that with just what you said, accountants, my accountant friends, my business friends, my wife, uh, my good friends, those were so key in helping me launch a sustainable career that I still love 35 years later. And that would be my advice if, I, if somebody's moving towards that is start building those relationships. And that will also help you keep balance so you don't go all in and get so focused on this business that you forget those key relationships, especially with the people that you care about the most. And yeah. I've seen that happen, too, where yeah. people have lost touch with that and paid the price for that. Yeah, yeah. And that's great advice. So thank you so much for that. And I'm sure people will take that advice to heart, I hope. Okay, so... Listen, everyone, if you want to, if you're thinking about going into a cash practice or you already have a cash practice and you really want to make it shine, check out cashpracticefromscratch.com and it is launching when? Uh, the open card is January 3rd, 2017. January 3rd. So what, you can give yourself a New Year's present Again, that's cashpracticefromscratch.com. And Paul, if people want to get in touch with you, if they have questions, how can they do that? My email is heypaul at paulpotterpt.com. So they can just email me and I answer all those individually as soon as I can. Great. All right. Well, everyone, Paul, thank you for coming on. This was great chatting with you again. I'm happy to have you back. And yeah, go ahead. Oh, that's my pleasure. Oh, it's really great. fun. I'm so <laughs> So proud of you. It's, I mean, you're a living example. I mean, what? I mean, you're treating patients, you're doing a cash practice, and then you're doing this podcast and having just, that's gone great guns. I mean, that is just fantastic. So I, I'm just, it's fun to watch your career and the impact that you're having too. So it's, you're doing just a great job. Oh, thank you very much. And, and everyone, again, check out cashpracticefromscratch.com. Check out Paul across all social media. Um, that's all also there. And of course you can get all of this on the show notes at podcast at healthy, wealthy, smart.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Karen, let NYC. And we'll be putting more information about this program in the next couple of weeks. So everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.